The following podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. Enjoy the show. Previously, I'm Plead the Sex. Our mindset when we get a case is like, all right, how can we fight this? We're thinking, okay, can we get a dismissal? Okay, maybe not. Can we do a conditional dismissal? Okay, maybe not. You know, can we, are, would you agree to let them apply for PTV? No. Okay, well, or yes, and then they get rejected. Um, but we always hold on to the hope for a dismissal, even if, like, the initial go-around is, like, a no. That's not a no forever. It's just a no, not right now. But sometimes you have to force it to trial to get that dismissal. We are in the mindset now we're preparing for trial if we can't get those three things. If we were to go to trial and lose, would that still be better than taking that offer? If we do get an offer for conviction, it's really like, well, what's the time, you know? Could we beat that time? I think I might be able to beat that at trial, no matter what kind of case it is. You know, you have to fight every inch. You can't give the state anything. You have to make them fight for everything that they do. And sometimes by doing so, you ruin the state's case. That's that's not a bad thing. Like if somebody really wants to go to trial, we're there for that. And we we will fight like crazy for them, regardless of how we feel about the case. I mean, we tell them like, this is 100% your decision because this is your life. Where two lawyers and a real person talk about the law. I'm Kathrie. I'm the real person here. I'm Stacy. I'm one of the lawyers. And I'm Courtney. I am another lawyer. And this week we are picking up right where we left off last time, talking about trials and what they entail and how we get there. Apparently, it's all way less straightforward than I assumed, which honestly, what isn't in law and legality. (laughs) Why don't we go ahead and pick up where we left off? So you've been working with the client and and together you decide that it's best to push this to trial. And so you you start investigating. In court, like like is is the next thing that happens is you you show up at the court and start arguing? Like like what what happens (laughs) next? So it kind of depends on what court you're in is how like the trial process to actually getting a jury goes. But generally in in misdemeanor trials, I'll say, um, generally each side gets like what they call a not ready and you get to use it once. So when we put the case on the trial docket, which is literally just us going to the court coordinator and being like, hey, can you put this on the trial docket? And then they give us a trial date. And then at that first trial date is our first setting. And then we have to make our announcements. You know, are we ready or not ready? Generally, but not always, the state takes they're not ready on the first setting. That's not always the case, but generally they take the, the not ready on, on the first setting. And we generally announce ready and there's, on the first There's setting. a really good reason for that. The state has a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of cases that are not first settings on that trial docket. So they focus all of their attention on preparing for the ones that are not first settings because they're more likely to go to trial. Mm-hmm. So they don't focus their attention on the first setting cases. It's just a matter of manpower. I mean, like, yeah. despite the fact they have all the resources and all the funding, 
there's still a manpower issue within the prosecutor's office that prevents them from being able to thoroughly prepare on every single thing because they're just one person preparing on maybe 20 cases on a day. Oof. In certain courts, in other courts, maybe there's two. But if one is a second setting and one is a first setting, they're going to be focused on that second setting case. Mm -hmm. And so if we're a first setting, we anticipate the state is going to take a not ready. And if the state doesn't take their not ready for some reason, we can take our not ready if we feel like we need some additional time to prepare. Yeah, but we, we try to never use our not readies. Yeah, we're always ready. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Catherine doesn't know what a thing means alert. Can we explain settings real quick? Yeah, so a setting is... A court setting, I hate to use the word to define it, but a trial setting is like you're going to court. The idea is technically you could be picking a jury that day. But like Stacey explained, with a first setting, it's unlikely you're going to be the one to get the jury. That's your first trial date. Yeah. So you're given a date to show up for trial. That date is your first setting. And mm -hmm. then if, if the case gets reset, then you get a new trial date and that date will be your second setting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So sometimes I have cases where we're on eighth settings. Oh my gosh. I mean, gosh. we've shown up for trial seven times already. And for some reason or another, we didn't get a trial that day. Usually it's because the court's in trial on something else. And our case just wasn't up yet. And so we get a reset and we get reset to a new trial date. So it happens. Felonies, it's a lot more common for settings to get pretty high than it is in misdemeanors. That's mm -hmm. awesome. In, 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 in misdemeanor court, whether the trial setting gets up that high very much depends on what court it's in. Yeah. Because some courts have a higher trial caseload. Yeah, caseload than others. So others can like kind of move their trial docket fairly quickly. And others, you know, particularly in the family violence courts, like, like I said, with that affirmative finding of family violence, it's generally a consensus in the defense community that you just kind of try those cases because like we said in very particular circumstances you can feel okay about pleading one of those but generally you know people want to fight those so um yeah we're not saying anything groundbreaking here you know, yeah all the stuff we say about family violence most defense attorneys share those opinions and you can see that in the fact that the family violence courts are in trial every single week, practically. Yeah. I mean, like someone is getting a trial in there because we're there's like 40 of us waiting to find out who gets to have the trial. And we're jealous of whoever At gets At least it. back when we had trials. Yeah, back when we – I know this whole this whole um, episode is just kind of like reminiscing about trials. <laughs> <laughs> Remember trials? Who knows when we're going to have them again? Remember when we could be around people? <laughs> But yeah, so it de it definitely depends on what court you're in, whether you're going to, you know, get your jury at your second setting or your first setting or whether you're going to make it all the way to an eighth setting and you're still 15th on the list. And theoretically, trial doesn't have to happen until the third setting in misdemeanor courts and most misdemeanor courts. Mm -hmm. I'll talk a second about the, the two that are not that. But in most of the misdemeanor courts in Bear County... You get a not ready, the state gets a not ready. So say state takes their not ready on the first setting. You get to the second setting, the state is all, I'm ready, I'm ready. And you're like, are you though? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> do I want to call their bluff that they're bluffing right now? Because they will bluff. Or do I want to take my not ready because I want to see if I can, maybe they're ready today, but they won't be ready next time for some reason. And so we'll take a not ready strategically in a second setting you know, to mess with the state's case a little bit. So it's all, 
It's all gamesmanship. Yeah, your announcement is strategic, but you know, one thing that we do have to consider when we announce is that if we do announce not ready, then we run the risk of, you know, waiving certain rights, like your right to a speedy trial. Right. Oh. But But a lot of times in those types of cases, we're sitting in trial settings on, you know, we're at month six or seven, so speedy trial is not even implicated at that point. The ones where we would be very careful not to take resets would be the ones where it's been two or three years and they haven't had a trial yet. We'd be more careful with those. Yeah. So it's, you know, everything we do, there's thought behind it and there's a reason why we do what we do. And almost every decision that we're making in trial, there's, I mean, because there's rules, there's laws, there's ethical things you have to consider. So everything that we're um, considering, everything that we're advising the client, like we're thinking about those things, you know, if we did this, could could it do this? You know, that kind of thing. And what strategy is best for our client? Because I think Mm -hmm. the the most important thing that everyone needs to understand who's listening to this, and I wish prosecutors understood it more, was our only job is to be the best representation for our client that we can be. And so if that involves some kind of gamesmanship, or that involves strategically doing something that we think will mess with the state's case, we are required to do that, because we're required to represent our client in that fashion. It's not something that we're doing just for the joy of it. We're doing it because it's in the best interest of our client. And that's who we're beholden to. Yeah, it's like the saying goes, um, you know, may the bridges I burn light the way for my client. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry, that old (laughs) adage? (laughs) Oh, it's a very common phrasing in the defense community because we Yeah. Sometimes our gamesmanship burns goodwill with the prosecutors. They get mad at us, but it's it, we have to do it. Mm-hmm. Huh. So that is a long answer to what a setting is. But yeah, it, it's just how many times you come to court uh, for your trial. But oh, yeah. And I wanted to mention two courts. There are a couple of courts in, in Bear County who don't subscribe to what we just explained. So mm-hmm. if you're in Bear County and you happen to be in County Court 6 or County Court 8, I'm sorry, these rules we just explained – don't apply to you at all. In County Court 6, everything is a trial setting. Everything. And uh, there are no pretrial settings in County Court 6. And in County Court 8, uh, she's got some very specific rules about how you can put them on the trial docket and what happens once you're on the trial docket. She doesn't allow people to take not readies once you're on the trial docket. So you need to be ready to go if you put yourself on the trial docket in County Court 8. Beep, beep, beep. Catherine doesn't know what a word means. Alert. What's a docket? Like a like a trial docket? So it's like it's like a schedule and also like a list. So a docket is like the people it's a list of people that are set to appear in court that day. Oh. So it's it's attendance? It's an attendance list. Basically, so like if you're on the trial docket for that day, then basically just what that means is like there's a list of cases set for trial and you're on that list. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's funny how like we use fancy words for things that are just mean list. I mean, (laughs) if I look at the definition, I'm sure it was something fancy, but that's generally what it is when you say docket. You're just, you're on the list of people um, that they're expecting to appear that day. Okay, doke. So when we say things like off docket, we mean like you're not set for, you're not set to appear that day. You're coming in to try and handle a matter that isn't set that day. So it's off docket. Oh. 
sort of not not necessarily off the books, just like outside yeah. of the schedule. Exactly. It's like your appointed day, like you have an appointment in court. That's sure. what docket is. So if you're if you're resolving something off docket, it's like showing up to your dentist outside of an appointment with your dentist and being like, "Hey, can you fix this tooth for me real quick?" Uh, I don't think the dentist analogies get one. This uh, and that's it for this episode. Stacy doesn't like my metaphor. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, I can't think of a better one, but like that one was not because <laughs> you wouldn't do that. But showing up off docket is not discouraged. So <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> judges like to resolve cases. I will say they want to move their docket. They want to resolve cases. Docket can also mean every case that they have in their court. So when we say they want to move their docket, they want to get rid of cases in their court. So sure, yeah. So like Courtney said, like the fancy word for a list. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was all I needed. Yeah. So in some courts, like the one she mentioned, and I think County Court Two is also a good example. Like when you put uh, in certain courts, when you put um, the case on the trial docket, that's that's after we've already done all of our prep for trial we've already gotten there and like now we're ready to go you know what i mean so sometimes we are doing all the trial prep that we talked about you know investigating the police officers all that stuff before we make that jump in those courts because we know once we make that jump it's going to be a quicker process okay so yeah um but but in some courts you go right on the trial docket like almost as soon as you get the case because of how long it takes you to get a trial setting period yeah Um, okay that makes sense you know so it's all and i want to mention that all of this stuff we're saying about specific courts right now will change in the future because judges change so like this will be outdated um you know at some point in the future when those judges leave those benches no that's so stressful yeah, but that's another thing that we can that we mentioned in the beginning, you know, we do consider what court they're in because like Stacey said, the process in which the courts handle certain cases will depend will change how we handle that case. You know, like she said, some go straight to the trial docket, so we we know that ahead of time. So, it, and knowing the rules of the court is important in advising our clients too. Because it changes our strategy a little bit, depending on what court we're in, because we have to abide by those guidelines and abide by those uh, procedures that they have. So I guess that's another reason why it's important to or or beneficial to have a lawyer representing you, because I guess without without a lawyer helping you in these ist- instances, it would be it would be really difficult to know what those and like 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 customized rules and and little quirks are. So you just made my brain freeze for a second when you said have a lawyer representing you because I know that there's people out there who think <laughs> that they can represent themselves. Um, but I'm hoping that if you're listening to these podcasts, you realize that the law is so complicated and nuanced, and things change from moment to moment. There's no way an individual whose entire job isn't knowing all of these things like mine and Courtney's is going to be able to know all of this stuff. And I can't imagine somebody coming into this with no legal training, trying to represent themselves in even county court. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine how that would work. You know, it just, it, I, it makes my brain hurt to even consider it. I mean, (laughs) when I think about it, you know, when you're starting out as like a new lawyer, 
even after three years of law school and knowing the law, you come into actual court and, you know, sometimes you're just like, what the heck is going on in here? (laughs) And it takes a sec to figure it out, even though, you know, you took the bar, even though you went to law school and you know the law, figuring out how each court works and figuring out how to do things still takes time. And the really great thing about it, though, is for lawyers, the communities that we have, like every every area has its own community of defense attorneys who are 100% willing to help out people who aren't from there. It's why people who necessarily don't practice in Bear County all the time can come into Bear County and take a case because they have a resource of attorneys who will tell them all of this information about this specific court that you're in. Mm-hmm. So you're not you're not really at a disadvantage. But, you know, a, a layperson doesn't have that community to, to pull from mm-hmm. at all. Like, And so that's one of the reasons why new, new attorneys can come in and do a pretty good job because they have resources available to them in the forms of attorneys who've been doing this for a long time. I know that I've uh, utilized those resources and Courtney has utilized those resources because they are great resources. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so... That does sound nice having having a community. So so actually getting to the trial portion of going to trial sounds like it takes a lot of time. So you keep showing up to court, just like hoping that one day, one day, someone will actually be able to go to trial. And we then take our trial box with us, yes. And we're yeah. like, when we we've had one time where we didn't take our trial box with us, and we were like, great, this is going to be the day we're in trial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, but we go to court. We have. At this point, if we're on the trial docket, we have delved into the facts of the case. We're at our first trial setting. We've spoken with our client at length. We have prepared our presentations to the jury. We know what we're going to say. We know what the major issues are. We know we know everything we're going to do in trial. We know the state's evidence and how we're going to object to it. All of this is that pretrial preparation that goes into that idea for the first setting. Maybe maybe we haven't done it all as thoroughly at the first setting because we know it's going to get reset. Um, but by second setting, this is where we're at, right? Yeah, like maybe, are- maybe first setting, we don't have our Vordire PowerPoint complete, but we know what we're putting in it. But it's not like, you know, we had to just kind of like pull it up and finish it out or something like that. Right. Exactly. That's rare, though. Like, like we, we're generally... We're polished. Yeah. Right. And by second setting, we are definitely polished and ready to go. And we're, we're, we sit down at the uh, table, we pull out all of our equipment and our books and everything, and, you know, we're ready. And then the state hands us a dismissal. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal, right? I mean, that's like, what, 90% of the time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're so intimidated by your powerpoint they're like no thank you they haven't even seen our powerpoint at this point we're just yeah. setting up on the defense table we put our client to what they're supposed to wear you know um we're waiting we're just waiting for the judge to clear the courtroom and call the jury in and, mm-hmm. and we're ready to go and we're in the mindset okay like here's what we're going to say to the jury we've already figured out what we're going to say mm-hmm. and then, yeah it, it and then the state hands us a dismissal and then we pack everything back up and we go hand the dismissal to our client who is so freaking happy. It's worth it. <laughs> but at the same time, we're like, do you know how many hours we invested into being this ready for this trial? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are some mixed emotions. Like we were excited. We got it. We did it. That was the goal from the beginning was a dismissal. But I mean, in the back of my head, I'm going to admit, sometimes I'm like, I lugged this trial box a mile. <laughs> I, I, it has wheels it has wheels thankfully but courtney does carry our trial i know and i was, and i'm like i 
I like broke a sweat. <laughs> we are in our finest suit. Yeah. Because we don't always wear our finest suit to court every day, right? But for yeah. trial, we are in our day, day one trial clothing. And we are in full makeup and our hair is really good. And, you know, so like we are, we are polished and ready to go because we have to be, because we don't know if the state plans on trying the case. Sometimes prosecutors will tell us ahead of time, Hey, I'm just going to dismiss your case tomorrow. And then we're like, thank God. Yeah. We don't have to do all of these things that we're talking about, but prepping for trial is all of that, right? You know, like we, we, we go in there with our game face on ready to try the case because that is who we are. And that is what we have to do for our clients. And sometimes most of the time we don't end up in trial. Most cases don't go to trial. Yeah. You know, one, 1% of cases end up in trial 1%. And, um, or I think it's even less than that. Courtney had some statistics at some point. So when you think about it, most cases, you know, most cases don't go to trial. It's a significant portion of our cases are put on the trial docket. We are ready to try cases, but they end in dismissal instead of trial because the state, for one reason or another, decides to d- dismiss the case that day. And sometimes it is a game time decision for the state. Sometimes they've prepared as well and they're ready to try the case. But on the day of trial, a witness doesn't show up that they need mm-hmm. and they, they're forced to dismiss the case. Or on the day of trial, they look over this case and then they look over another case that they have on the same day that could go. And our case is set before the other case. And they're like, this case is just not as important as that case. I need to try that case. So they dismiss our case to get to the next case. So there's a lot of reasons why a case will be dismissed on the day of trial. And there are cases where Courtney and I will go, we're prepared, we're ready to go, but we know it's getting dismissed because we know the state can't prove their case, but they've been bluffing us all along like they can but we know what the evidence is and what it shows. And we know they can't do it, but we have to be prepared just in case mm-hmm. they decide to try a case they can't win. It happens. And we've had that happen where we're just like, really? You're going to try this case? And then we <laughs> did it. And we were right. They couldn't prove it. Yeah. But you, could, you can't win this, but you're forcing us to trial. We're ready. Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel the need to explain like I would – drag the trial box 10 miles or further if it meant a dismissal for my client. You know, I'm not actually <laughs> complaining about that. But I will say we that, like, I think the best, like, the best way to describe the feeling of, like, prepping for trial and then getting a dismissal is, like, you're still happy because it's still a win. But it's, like, getting all dressed up to go to, like, a sporting game or whatever to, like, you know, play a sport. I don't know what game, but but anyway, and then like getting there and being told, okay, you win, but like you didn't have to play the sport. And you're like, well, oh. you know, like, yay, I won, but like, eh, I didn't get to fight for it. But like the other team, the other team forfeited. So you don't get to play. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So it's like, it's still a win and it still feels like a win. You know, it's still marked down as a win. The client's happy. I mean, the client being happy is like the best feeling. Right. But um, right. there is a little bit of like the adrenaline in it. It's like you don't have a way to get rid of that adrenaline. And so you're like, oh. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We have our adrenaline going. Yeah. And yeah. And like it's it's a hard thing. We we get no work done that afternoon. <laughs> because we were in the trial mindset, mindset right? Like so we're, we're ready to go. And then all of a sudden we got nowhere for all of that energy and that momentum that we had to go. So, you know, we, we go back to the office and we just – I don't even know what we do sometimes. Like it's just like – No work gets done, though, because we can't even focus because we were like that adrenaline is just pumping through our system with Mm -hmm. nowhere to go. I mean, we just we enter the dismissal and we (laughs) just kind of close it out. (laughs) It's kind of like the 
the end of it. But I mean, I would always, no matter how much I enjoy being in trial, I'd always prefer dismissal because the stress of trial on the client is not fun to have to guide them through because, you know, you don't even know what's going to happen. And, you know, a dismissal is just so nice and final. In trials, there are no guarantees. Mm -hmm. You could end up with a panel that's going to vote guilty on your client no matter what the state shows. That was more true in the olden days, and and it's more true in more conservative counties. In Bear County, that's not exactly true, I don't think, where, you know, you're going to get a panel that's going to vote guilty no matter what. That's that's not really where we're at today anymore, thankfully here in Bear County. <laughs> but um, But you never know. It could happen. Yeah, trials are vitally, the ability to try a case is a vitally important defense strategy that helps everyone move their dockets. Like it helps the judges move their dockets. It helps the prosecutors move their dockets. Certainly helps us resolve cases. Um, and without it, we're you know, we're stuck in limbo right now. It's really hard right now, but we don't need to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I want to talk about the 10% of the time when we show up, um, we sit down, we're ready to try the case and we actually get to try it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about that now. <laughs> I, was, I, I was over here twiddling my thumbs. I was like, this is all very fascinating. Yeah. What happens to me when I actually try a case? <laughs> I want to know if law and order was right, please. So yes, so that ten percent of the time you've done all the do, you're ready, you're, you're you've got the adrenaline, and someone is actually like, congratulations, you get to try your case. Yeah, that's kind of how it feels. It does feel kind of like we're winning the lottery. We're like, yes, it's us, pick us, we did it. <laughs> so uh, there's kind of three distinct phases to trials. There's the jury selection, there's the trial, and then if you get a guilty, there's sentencing. And so these are very distinct phases with their own quirks, if you will. Would you maybe say four? Because I feel like deliberation is its own process, even though we are in no way involved. It feels like it's our own thing. (laughs) It's something we can call deliberations a a phase. Because we do do stuff during that, that I think it would be. We do. (laughs) But we do. Yeah. Yeah, I think what we do is fascinating. Yeah. But we get to that. Okay. So phase one. Jury jury selection, right? Vordire in Texas, Vordire everywhere else. (laughs) So during Vordire, the state gets up and they talk to a panel of however many people that the judge decided to call. And the judge gets to make a lot of decisions in, in this at this point. The judge gets to decide how many people she's bringing in for the panel. She get, He or she gets to – I like how I defaulted to she. That's pretty cool, right? So here <laughs> – he or she gets to decide which jurors they're going to strike, if they're going to allow us to strike certain jurors. They they can give us as many strikes that, you know, for no reason at all that they want. Most of them just follow the law, but they can give us more if they want. Then they seat the jury and they swear them in. But during the voir dire process, what we're doing is the state, the judge gives their introduction and sometimes the judges will give the, will say some of what the state would say so that the state's time isn't taken up by that. And sometimes they try to say what we say, but we always repeat it because, you know, our stuff is really important. <laughs> and then, um, and then, so then the state gets up and they do like a little spiel where they're trying to get to another jury. The idea behind jury selection isn't, it's partially to educate the jury, but it's mostly to get to know the jury, to figure out which jurors you want to strike. It is jury deselection. We're trying to get rid of people we don't like. And in order to figure out the people we don't like, we have to talk to them and figure out if we don't like them. So that's pretty much what the point is. And so we're, we give them information. We give them parts of the law that we really want to educate them on. But we're really trying to figure out which jurors are going to be bad for us so we can give them the, the old heave ho. 
<laughs> like you said, it's like deselection, but it's also like it, it's like kind of the one area during trial that our client has a lot more of a hands-on interaction with like we're gonna we're gonna strike who they want us to strike sometimes mm-hmm. we kind of you know when we are talking about it or whatever we're asking we might come down to like two people left and we're like all right here's what i thought about this person here's what i thought about this person what do you think and then we're like all right the choice is yours if yeah, it- which jury do you want to leave on the jury because that person if the state doesn't strike them is going to be on our jury yeah and uh we want them to be comfortable. We want our client to be comfortable mm-hmm. with who is left on there. And that's really what the conversation is, is are you comfortable with this person being on your jury? Because mm-hmm. if you're not, then we need to strike them. And and that's kind of the process of what I It's a little more involved than that. But it's a pretty good you know, we're overview. Gonna, this is a great place to start. This is already so much. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. I'll hang in there. So uh, the next phase um, is your trial phase, which in, in itself has a bunch of different stages. Both sides get to make opening statements, which is where you just talk about the facts of your case to the jury. It's the first time the jury gets to hear anything about the actual facts of this case. In jury selection, they don't get to hear facts. They get to hear generalities. In uh, the opening statements, the state will tell them their version of events. The defense will tell them their version of events. And then you get into testimony. The state calls their witnesses. And the defense gets to cross-examine their witnesses, which is super fun. After that, then the state is done with all of their presentation of evidence and they close. And then the defense has to decide whether or not they want to put on a case, which can involve calling their client, calling other witnesses or doing nothing at all. And then once the defense closes, then both sides give closing arguments after the judge has read the charge to the jury. And the charge is really important. This is a layout of the law in the case and an application of the facts to the law. And so the law is given to them by the judge. The judge decides what law the the jury is going to hear. And we sometimes ask for specific law to be given to the jury, but the judge ultimately decides what the jury is going to be instructed on as to what the law is. And like then, we, would, we would ask for certain defenses as in like what kind of law we want. Like we would want certain right. defenses to be included because if they're not included, they can't be considered. And, um, we have to kind of know ahead of time what defenses we want because sometimes there's certain requirements that we have to meet in order to even ask for that to be included. And so we have to make sure that we have met all of those requirements already before the charge you know, conference starts. And I think we'll have a whole episode on mm-hmm. jury charges because it's a really important topic to understand. It's incredibly complicated, but I wanted you, I wanted to make sure that, that that's an important part of the trial process is, is the jury charge. The judge reads it to the jury and then both the state and the defense get up, make their closing arguments where they get to argue to the jury what the facts show. And as part of that, they get to talk about the law that the judge instructed them on. That's why the judge instructs them first, because it's important for us to give our own spin on what the law actually is during that. And, Ooh, and, uh, is, and then, this is the dramatic part where, where you get up and give your big speech. Mm-hmm. I know it that is. one. It is. And, and, you know, usually if you've done your job, nothing you say during closing argument is going to matter that much. It's just going to reinforce everything else you've done. It's kind of like you've been – the way closing arguments are kind of supposed to work is like throughout the trial, you've been dropping little seeds here and there. And then your closing argument is where you're like, look at all these things that have grown, you know, and like, (laughs) you know, like you're you're pointing out all those things that you mentioned, you know. That's why this is important. Here's why it's important. Right. 
Like they might not understand why you asked the specific question of a witness. Well, in your closing, you explain to them why that question was so important and why that answer was so important because it proves that the state didn't prove this. Right. And so, yeah, it's all closing is fun to, to put together. It's a fun piece where you tie everything together. But if, like I said, if you've done your job really well during the trial, nothing in closing is going to be a big surprise to the jury and they're just going to nod their head to everything you're saying. You know, sometimes you get some head nodders and it's really nice because you you feel like you might be getting some feedback. Jurors, jurors <laughs> are great at not giving feedback. They are so good at stone facing you. <laughs> I, would be a ter- I would be terrible at that. <laughs> yeah, like you'd be amazed. It's amazing to me how good these jurors are. They've got real good <laughs> poker faces and it makes you nervous. <laughs> yes, you never know. Like you feel like every once in a while, like they'll give you a little smile and you'll think like, oh my God, that means they, that we're winning. But that doesn't mean anything. Or do they feel bad for us? Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, but, you know, like, but that little smile is a very rare thing. Most jurors give you nothing at all on the face. And it's crazy how good, how good they are at that poker face. And then the jury goes back and deliberates and then you're done. You can't do a single other thing to help your clients. And it is the worst part of trial for mm-hmm. me. It, it really is, though, because it's like it, it, it's over. Like, nothing, like you can at this point, you can no longer make a difference. Nothing you do will make a difference. Yes. The first time it happened to me in my very first trial where I was the first chair and I gave the closing and I sat down and then the state finished. The state gets to give a second closing. Yeah. What? They have, they have the bird and they get to do it twice. They get two bites of the apple. So they get to hear our closing and then respond to our closing, basically. Mm. Um, but once the state, the minute I sat down from giving my closing, I started hyperventilating. I was oh, trying no. to hide it. I was trying to hide it really well. And then I was like, come on, state, finish, finish. And then, the you know, you have to stand up and the jury leaves the room and the jury's leaving the room. And I'm like trying not to like show that I'm freaking out completely. And then the jury walks out of the room and I like race out of the courtroom because I can't even stand to be in there anymore. And I'm like pacing in the hallway and like somebody, one of the other defense attorneys comes out and she's like, you did great. You've done everything you can, like trying to reassure me and everything. That was the first time it hasn't happened again. I'm glad to say like, it was just the first time and it was a not guilty. So, you know, we, we did, I did my job, but it it's, a nerve wracking period as soon as that jury leaves the courtroom and there is nothing else you can say or do and they have all the power and now they're going to decide whether or not your client is guilty or not guilty. There is, there is no feeling in the world like that. And I can't even, it's anxiety, but it's like heightened. Like I, I can't even explain it. And you're trying to hide it the whole time because yes. you don't want the client to know how nervous you are. Because yes, like, exactly. because like you want them to be like, like, you want to reassure them. Like it went, I mean, I mean, so far we haven't had a trial not go kind of the way we wanted it to. Right. Like, you know, we've ended and being like, okay, we, so we needed to say, yeah, but it's still, and our clients back. are always happy at that point, you know, they're yeah, like, thank like you they're, for defending me. Yeah. There's they're Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, like, you know, maybe this doesn't help, but I'm like, you know, how are you feeling? You know, are you okay? You know, do you want to talk about it? What do you want to do? And, you know, we do bring games like board games or card games and we play. No, a hundred percent. That's what we do. We play games while we're sitting there and the games really can waste a couple hours, you know, really easily. Like it goes by quickly when you're distracting, um, distracting ourselves and distracting our client. So that's what we do. We play games while we're waiting for the jury to come back because yeah, yeah you good. it's kind of and it's, it's always been kind of a fun moment with our client where it's just like you know what, let's not think about 
what is to come. Let's just kind of enjoy the moment. Let's talk. Let's, you know. Right. You know, it's just like we get to kind of like – we get to kind of like take off our lawyer hats for a little bit and just kind of be like a companion, you know, and just kind of right. like a friend to get them through however long this deliberation period is going to be. Because like, I mean, we can't do anything for them anymore legally. All we can do is just kind of be like their shoulder. And, you know, we right. have to – at least one of us has to be in in the courtroom while they're deliberating because when they say, you know, the jury's got a verdict – we have to be there and we have to be able to, you know, right. call the other person or text them or whatever and tell them to come, you know, because sometimes if that happened, <laughs> yeah, sometimes if the deliberation goes longer and we have to go home, try and sleep and then come back for them to continue deliberating, then like, you know, we still have um, yeah. court docket the next day that like one of us has to take care of. So and that sucks to- a lot. Like, yeah. Not getting the verdict the same day that you finish is the worst. I, yeah. I don't even know how I made it through that night. <laughs> like, it was like, I don't even know. It yeah. Was just, yeah. But the more complicated the cases are, the longer the, deliber- the deliberation is. And you, you want the jury to consider everything. So the more evidence they have to go through, the longer the deliberation process is going to be. I mean, I, our quickest one was like an hour and a half, but that's because they had nothing to consider. So Right. They just like and watched even the in that hour and a half. They were just trying to make it last longer because they're they, they really didn't have much of a trial. I feel a little bad for that jury. They didn't get much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a lot that the state was able to get in. But um, I mean, no matter how long they deliberate, when they say there's a verdict, like you're just your mind immediately goes, "Oh no!" <laughs> right. There, there, I have learned there is no ability to predict the verdict based on the amount of time they deliberate. Yeah. Um, there is no ability to predict the verdict based on facial expressions of the jurors. Mm-hmm. You know, you you just have to. It, it it can go. It can always go either way, and that's the danger of jury trials. And that is why, you know, sometimes it is in our clients' best interest not to go to jury trial. But you know, we 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 do like being in trial, and we like the fight. Like we're definitely fighters. Mm-hmm. So after the jury comes back. And they deliver that gorgeous not guilty verdict. (laughs) In some cases, there's a guilty verdict. At that point, the judge dismisses the jury, thanks them for their service. And then we get to go back and talk to the jury later, which is fun, where we get to, you know, find out what went on in the jury room. How did the deliberations go? Why did you come to the verdict you have? And do you have any feedback for us to, you know, get better? Because the idea here is always like, in a way, we're performers and we want to do better at our performance. Um, and what did you hate? What did you not? Mm-hmm. What did you love? And what did you hate about what you saw in the courtroom? In our last jury, the the jurors hate the law. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we went back there, they're like, we hate this law because you know they had to find our client not guilty because the law required them to find our client not guilty, but they didn't like that. But the law is the law sometimes, right? Okay. Well, that 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 seems like a pretty good overview. I mean, I I have lots more questions, but some of those are going to be addressed in different episodes. And some of them I might drag you guys into recorded on a little bit more, but we're pretty much out of time. Um, (laughs) Do we have any like final like quick thoughts? Did we talk about sentencing? No, we didn't talk about sentencing. Talk about sentencing like so fast. (laughs) Okay. So um, if you do get a guilty verdict, then the, then you're dealing with sentencing and sentencing can be um, by the jury or by the judge, depending on it's one of the things you have to choose before you even go to trial, whether or not if you fa- are found guilty, you're sentenced by the judge or the jury. It's always a fun conversation to have with the client. It's like, we get to choose now that if you're found guilty, how do you want to be sentenced? 
Um, and, uh, but don't worry. We're not going to worry about that right now, except you have to worry about that right now. And so um, most of the time you go to the judge for sentencing, there are strategic reasons to go to the jury for sentencing in certain types of cases. It'll be the kinds of cases where your jury is going to feel bad about set, or finding your client guilty. Like your, your client is very sympathetic and they're going to feel bad about it. Then maybe you want to go to the jury for sentencing, but the judges are generally going to be predictable. And that's why you like going to the judge because you know exactly what's going to happen at the sentencing. But sometimes the sentencing can happen that day. Sometimes it, you know, will get reset. The judge will ask for what's called a pre-sentence investigation report where a lot more data is gathered for the judge about the person so that they can maybe find a, a way to sentence them that will rehabilitate them as well. And, and sentencing itself can be its own little mini trial, depending on the cases. You know, there are certain kinds of serious offenses like murders and stuff where sentencing trials can go on for days. And because the state is bringing a bunch of witnesses, the defense is bringing a bunch of witnesses um, to say why this person either deserves a very hard punishment or doesn't deserve a very hard punishment. And so sentencing itself is something you do have to prepare for ahead of time. You cannot, you know, in felonies, you can probably have some time because you won't be sentenced that day. But in misdemeanors, you'll be sentenced that day, usually. Oof. And so the state will have their recommendation. You'll know what you would like the judge to do. And, you, and if you're going to put on witnesses, you need to have them ready to go to explain to the judge why a lesser punishment is warranted. Um, so you have to be prepared for sentencing before you even know if you've won or lost. And oh um, Right. So it's something it's something you have to consider and think about. Usually, though, if if you're not ready to go to sentencing that day, you can ask the judge to reset sentencing for another week or two, continue the person on bond, and you know have the sentencing later on. The judges will usually allow that as well. But if the state's recommendation is something you're like, oh, yeah, we're down for that, you just go ahead and go ahead with the sentencing. You'll be like, we agree with the state. Give them that. You know, <laughs> so um, It all depends on what, what the state's going to be recommending as to what your strategy might be with sentencing. But Sentencing, um, in some cases, you've been trying sentencing from the beginning because in some cases, Courtney mentioned earlier, um, we're, we're like, we might not be able to beat the case, but we can beat the offer. Mm. Well, you're gonna be, you're gonna be trying that during the case in chief because you want the jury to like your client before they find them guilty. You know they're going to find them guilty, but you want them to like them. So you're going to be eliciting things from testimony and evidence that make your client likable to the jury. So even though they have to find them guilty, during sentencing, they might give them a lesser punishment. So mitigation and trying trying sentencing during the trial in chief, the case in chief, is definitely a strategy as well. If you know it's a case, you're, you're probably not going to win. Huh. That's, so that's sentencing. That's wild. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, it makes sense, but that's, huh. It, 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 just, it just didn't really occur to me that you may be, like, conducting the trial with with a motive other than winning the trial. I mean, your motive is probably still to win the trial, but, like... It's always it, to win, but there are types yeah. of cases where the, with the certain types of evidence and facts that you know it's a long shot, but you're trying to beat the offer that the state gave you because they gave you a bad offer. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, I think that about does it for us for now. Um, I certainly want to know more about, like, I want to know more about everything. There's so many questions, but we will we will end it here for now. Um, thank you so you much wanna, for joining us. Oh. Do you want our final thoughts? 
I mean, we've got four minutes before you have something else to do, Stacy. I know, but like final thoughts only take a minute. Okay, go for it. What's your, what's your okay. final thoughts? My final thoughts are, <laughs> so when it comes to trial, every case is individual and unique. And we don't know when you come to us what the answer is going to be and if this case is going to be in trial. That information is developed through the entire process, and which is why I think it was important for us to go through the entire process in this episode about being in trial, because it we don't know at all. Day one, we read the police report. We don't know where this case is going to go. It could end up in trial. It could not. But we always start with the end in mind. It's one of the things, another saying, cliche, right? So we're starting every case looking at what if we're in trial? That is always a thought that we have. And what do we need to make sure that we can win this if we're in trial? And so that that's just our strategy. That's how we handle things here at the law office in Krause and Daly. And, um, and it works out really well for us. And I think, you know, and, and we love being in trial. There's nothing <laughs> quite like it. Nothing quite like it. But if your case isn't good enough to go to trial, we're going to be honest with you and tell you that. Sure. What about you, Stacy? What about you, Courtney? Any thoughts? Um, I mean, my thoughts were probably going to sound a lot like Stacy's, but I mean, you know, we and we can't and we never do um, guarantee any sort of outcome. But mm-hmm. the only thing we guarantee is that we're we're going to fight to get you the best outcome we can. But we don't know what that outcome is. But we're going to try. <laughs> but if it's trial, but if it's trial, mm-hmm. no, it's. No, we're going to be prepared. <laughs> yeah, um, and and that we're going to fight for you in trial, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and we're going to try and make this as painless as possible. But trial is a very stressful period. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. I'm I'm sort of just a little bit stressed listening to this, but like <laughs> that's not anything new. Um, <laughs> Okay, whether you have more thoughts or not, I'm going to wrap it up here because I already have an hour and 40 minutes to edit. So um, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Plead the Sixth. If you have more thoughts, more questions that I don't have to edit, um, head over to our social media. Uh, we are on Twitter at Krauss Daily Law and Facebook at Krauss Daily Law. You're also welcome to tiptoe on over to our website where we will be posting the episode and you can comment and discuss with other listeners there. And next time, we will be discussing uh, jail and how it interacts with our clients during the time of COVID-19. So thank you again so much and join us next time. And until then, keep pleading the sets.